I'm Jordan. And I'm Donnie. And this is a podcast about the stuff in our New York City apartment. How we find it. Where we put it. And why we're into it. Welcome to Apartment 26. So today, talking about my fire escape garden. Well, it's your fire escape garden, so I figured you should start talking about it, you know? Hmm. That seems fair. So, why we slash I wanted one. I really just wanted one to want one. I talked a little bit about the garden I had in Bushwick on a previous episode. It was something I had been doing for I did it about a year, year and a half when I was living in Bushwick and then we moved here. I sort of just stopped because there wasn't a yard space and I thought about growing stuff, but there was always so many indoor plants happening and when we tried herbs they died on us. Um You tried broccoli once and it like started in a cup and then it was kind of an aborted mission. Yeah. The broccoli though was sort of the start of it. So the broccoli needed to start indoors and then move outdoors but the moving of it outdoors just never happened for really a number of reasons um and so this year i was like oh i don't want to just start a garden outdoors that stays outdoors that'll happen really pretty quickly i bought a cherry tomato plant at a farmer's market one day and it's just like this is going to be it and then pretty soon thereafter uh the rest of the stuff fell into place but the why i don't know i think just because i wanted to grow stuff i mean that's fair i kind of didn't want one i was afraid that the fire escape was going to fall off the building that it like wasn't going to hold the weight and you felt pretty confident that it was going to hold the weight yes and i was just like okay if that's what you want to do and then yeah we were at the farmer's market and someone was selling like started tomato plants so it was pretty much a whole plant at uh-huh. that point in a little container and it just felt like the time yeah in my defense you think the fire escape is always gonna fall off yeah definitely uh-huh but no i'm pretty confident it can support the weight of the plants that are out there so yeah i got the tomato plant and then went and got soil i think right i don't necessarily remember the order if those bags came first or the soil came first well you got the tomato plant and it was clear that it needed to be transplanted. Right. Because what little I know of non-cactus or succulent plants is that tomatoes like to root really deep. And so it wasn't going to last long in the like thing that it was in. And my idea was these grow bags. Your idea was the grow bags? Had you seen the grow bags? No, you don't know about the grow bags. Yeah. So my idea was the grow bags because I am afraid that the fire escape is just going to rip off the building. Mm-hmm. And they're really light. So they're just these, like, I wouldn't say they're mesh, but they're definitely a, um, like, a material that lets water through. They're not, like, plastic. Porous, one might say. Porous, yes. Good word. That was the word I was looking for. Um, They're a porous material. So we got five-gallon bags, I want to say. Yeah. And that was the thing. If we were going to grow vegetables out there, we needed really big pots, and those can get heavy. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is why I wanted the bags. So we ordered the bags on Amazon, and I think we got the... um, like stakes for the tomato because the other thing about tomatoes is that they have to like grow against something because they grow massively yes 
So we got something to hold the tomato up and we got something to put the tomato in, but those bags came in like groups of four or something. Oh, yeah. And then you got some soil to fill them with, knowing that they would be coming from Amazon. Yeah. So I had these four bags and I've had these seeds that have just been in my fridge since the Bushwick garden. Um, my mom gave them to me. They're all different vegetables and flowers and they're still good. If you keep the seeds just sealed in a bag in the fridge, they'll stay good. I, I actually don't know for how long, but these seeds were supposed to have been expired quote unquote in like 2015, 2016. And I mean, I'm growing stuff right now with them that we're going to talk about and have been growing stuff in some of the garden projects they did over the summer. Um, not this garden project, but like the stuff I teach. So we were thinking about what else to grow, but we, I mean, mainly I, I think we consulted on it, but is sort of my project. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you felt the strongest about it. I don't know how to take care of plants like this. So I was kind of letting you lead the charge in terms of what you wanted to be growing. Because one of the best tips I've ever gotten about growing plants is like you should grow stuff that you like because then you'll care about it more and may pay more attention to it. Yeah. So I kind of left that to you to decide like what was interesting to you to grow. Yeah. So I decided to try broccoli again, get some broccoli redemption, planted carrots, both of which I looked up ahead of time to see if it was feasible to do in five-gallon uh, containers. So all of this required some research. Did basil in a little pot, try to get some herb redemption. Then I tried to do some flowers just to have a little, little pop of color out there. Yeah, the other thing is I have pots just like lying around in the shop your own apartment sort of spirit. Hmm. So some of those pots, we did the like big five gallon bags, which I don't have pots that big. Right. Um, and then we used some of my smaller pots for the flowers and the basil and stuff that we knew wasn't going to be massive. Yes. To reiterate, the carrot, broccoli and tomato are all in our five gallon. And the things went pretty well, pretty quickly. Things started growing and doing their thing, and birds came. <laughs> Which I didn't really think of as being a pest problem. Um, like I know birds can eat plants, especially berries if you're trying to grow berries. But growing gardens with my parents when I was growing up, it was either, like, even when we lived rather suburban or sort of urban, we lived close to a big park, a big city park uh, in Pittsfield, Mass. And then North Carolina, their place is pretty rural. So, like, birds have a lot of stuff to eat there. And we'll mess with the garden a little bit, but won't just, like, devastate a garden. Um, and this was really the end of spring when I was starting it. So they were a little like fledgling birds all around and anytime I would get a little bud they would just come eat it and I, I don't really know why like I didn't associate birds as like eating that but I don't know if it's just like city bird shit and they're just gonna eat <laughs> anything they can um I think people talk about like intruders in outdoor gardens a lot even if it's not specifically birds like squirrels and deer and stuff mess with people's gardens and a lot of outdoor gardening it seems is setting your shit up so animals don't want to eat it yeah it is a lot of pest control so i, I got some books from the library 
honestly, none I can really recommend. All the urban gardening, besides the, uh, well, the best book I can recommend is one that's about indoor gardening. <laughs> that you recommended it to me, actually, Jordan. The indoor yeah, gardening, was... the organic way. Yeah, that was one of the first gardening books I ever read, like, period. And it's not specifically about cacti, and it's obviously not about outdoor gardening, but I don't know, something about the ethos of it, and just, like, the idea that, especially if you're going to eat something, your soil should be organic, it was interesting to me, and the idea that it's kind of, like, a source of pride to grow organically. Um, yeah, that's cool. It also, I, uh, I used it as a reference and recommendation, in the teaching I do uh, when I do like garden poetry workshops because I think it really breaks down gardening in a pretty simple way right especially because it's tackling the subject of organic gardening I feel like some people might hesitate away from that you know gardening is hard enough and if I can't just throw a miracle <laughs> grow on it it's going to be impossible yeah kind of vibe but uh, this author breaks it down and really makes you feel like oh I I can garden. <laughs> like, I can do this thing. And it's a great little beginner's guide. Um, but the outdoor, like, urban gardening, rooftop gardening books I read were honestly all pretty pretentious, uh, which isn't and shouldn't be that surprising. <laughs> but I was just trying to, like, get some information. That said, the one bit of information I got was about pest control. People were talking about different urban pests and different problems, um, birds being one of them rats being others yeah uh, that would be gross yeah i'm not so concerned about that for us that's more like ground like maybe in bushwick rats breeding stuff right um another problem of terrace gardening there are a lot of pretty good terrace garden books out there once again all pretty pretentious but all pretty informational um it was something really interesting something i hadn't considered if you're doing uh different terrace gardening well one and this relates to fire escape gardening. I could call my fire escape terrace and say I'm a terrace gardener if I really wanted to, you know, get in with that circle. But I like the fire escape garden aesthetic, quite frankly. Um, so one is that as you get higher and higher up, and we're not that high up, but people with, like, bougie-ass, like, upwards of 20 stories, terraces that they're growing on, the temperature will be different, right? So you're at essentially really a different altitude and the temperature and the wetness in the air like all that changes so you have to grow sometimes in a different zone if you're high enough up which is an interesting thing yeah the usda Um, divides the country into zones mm -hmm. and that defines what you quote unquote can and cannot grow and i want to say new york is zone 7b wow that is really good just be able to but don't quote me on that. Yeah, do your own research. <laughs> and so, yeah, if you get like if you're on a roof in New York City trying to grow something, you're suddenly in zone six. Actually, you know that zone. Wow. Well, if you're in seven B, then yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. But it works like that. Like if you are in like California in zone nine, if you're on a ten story roof, then you're in zone eight. Yeah. Mm. So that was interesting. It's something I hadn't considered when I started this. I don't think we're in a different zone. We're only a story up. Um, we're, not, we're not even a story up. Are we a story? We're technically two stories up because of the way that the building slopes in the mm. back. Um, and, like, the basement is above ground in the back. Ah, that makes sense. So we're two yeah. stories up, but that's not, like, a different zone. But it was interesting to read and think about that that could be the case. The other thing was watering. I mean, really, with the plants I'm growing, you have to water them 
every day, but... Oh my god, so often. <laughs> uh, I hadn't thought about uh, water retention. Uh, not only because you're higher up, but because there's no actual soil. Like, because you're growing out of pots, but also growing outside. So all the water loss that happens naturally from the air that might not happen as rapidly indoors is still happening. But there's no actual, like, soil uh, that the root system can just pull from for emergency reserves if it needs. Uh, so you really got to water, even if it rains, right? So you've got to water every day. got to water if it rains. Sometimes you got to water twice a day if it's hot. Uh, and it's a pretty important thing to keep up with. The good thing is uh, tomato, and I assume really all plants, but tomato is a pretty good indicator plant. I think it'll start wilting pretty fast, and as soon as you water, it bounces right back. It's really kind of creepy in some ways. It feels very human, like as if the tomato is like begging you for water, and then you water, and it perks right back up. It's eerie. Um, I think tomatoes are notoriously thirsty plants as well. Like, it's a pretty intensive plant to grow in terms of your need to, like, tend to it. Yeah. Uh, But it's a nice tab out there as kind of an indicator plant to be like, oh, yeah, I got to water. And it's a responsive plant in that, like, if you take basic care of it, it will grow tomatoes. Mm -hmm. It really wants to grow tomatoes. Yeah, tomatoes are hardy as fuck. Yeah. Tomatoes are the only thing I grew in Bushwick and everything else wouldn't grow. Then... These cherry tomatoes have been quite literally popping off. <laughs> um, crazy. But wait, are we going to tell people what you did about the birds? Because I went to work one day, and someone asked me how my weekend was, and I was like, oh, it was pretty good, but like my boyfriend's trying to grow this garden, and birds like decimated it, and so he's really sad. You were like particularly sad that morning. Oh, yeah. um, well, did... Because the birds got the broccoli. Oh, yeah. Like, pretty handedly. And the flowers, for some reason. Every time the flowers sprouted up, the birds just, like, went right for them. Yeah, the flowers were particularly sad. Because <laughs> I planted three batches, and every time, all of them got real, real close, and then just got eaten. Yeah, so I went to work, and my coworker was like, oh, you should wrap them in tinfoil. Just, like, as though that were, like, common knowledge. And I was like, what? <laughs> and she was like, yeah, birds are scared of shiny shit. You should wrap them in tinfoil. And I liked that a lot. Like, I didn't know if it was going to work or not. But what an easy thing to do. Like, these bags have little handles on them so that you can move them around. And it was just kind of, like, the perfect sounding solution for us. It was zero dollars. Mm-hmm. And all you had to do was wrap tinfoil around the handles. Mm-hmm. Yes, I did it. And it seemed to work. It totes worked. Yeah. Like, shockingly well. Yeah, really well. And it made sense. As soon as I heard it, I was like, kind of like Jordan, when she heard it from a go-worker, I was like, oh, huh, huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, because in gardens, like to keep, besides just scarecrows and stuff, people hang CDs, people do stuff like that. And I didn't really, well, one, I didn't think about birds here, because we're kind of towards the back and... It's mainly pigeons, and I don't know. It didn't cross my mind. But two, I didn't want to hang like a bunch of CDs off the fire escape. It seemed just like, one, trashy, and two, pretty easy potential to make trash. Yeah. Um, Though, to bring Young House Love in, which you didn't think I could do in this episode, but here I'm doing it. Wow. 
um, they have a bird problem at their rental properties, not because they're growing stuff, but because the birds poop everywhere in their yards. Uh. And you don't want to rent an Airbnb that's just like covered in bird poop, you know? So they got these things that are basically just like high-end CDs. They're like specific reflective discs that they sell that mm. you can like hang in your trees and stuff and they look like decor, oh, but they cool. deter birds in a humane way. Yeah. So. That's cool. Yeah. That, um, when I saw that, I was like, oh, it makes total sense then that the tinfoil also works. Yeah. So wrap the handles in tinfoil and wrap them tight so they wouldn't slip off. And it, yeah, it's worked. Haven't had problems. So yeah, we lost the broccoli and the flowers, but... But gave up on the flowers. That pot just got clean and put away. But I kept the five-gallon bag. And the broccoli was saying, even though all the broccoli was gone. All the broccoli is definitely gone. And the tomato was starting to get out of control, as tomatoes are wont to do. It climbed about as high as it could. The steak we bought for it wasn't really doing anything. We tried zip-tying it, but that didn't matter. Um... The thing about tomatoes is, like, humans are the ones that make them grow vertically. Right. If a tomato plant were out in the wild, it would actually be, like, a trailing vine. Yeah, which is wild to think about. And even wilder to put into practice, which is what I decided to do. So I was talking to my parents, because they're very good gardeners, about the tomato situation. And my dad was like, oh, you just laid down. I was like, what? <laughs> um... And then he proceeded to explain that when my grandfather grows tomatoes, that's how he would start them, is he would start them growing down because that's like what tomatoes want to do. They want to put in as many roots as possible to survive as any creepy plant does. Um, so he would start them growing down and then curve it up so that they would have a strong root system um, when he would... Well, it's plant them. Sorry, I like, lost my train of thought. How well, because every part of the tomato vine has the capacity to grow roots. Yes. So it's not just the like base of the plant that can grow roots, but any part of the vine that's touching the ground will attempt to grow roots. There it is. So I was like, all right, well, that's creepy, but cool. So I'm going to try it. Um, so with my wild tomato plant, which is taking over the fire escape, I just rerouted some of the branches into this new five-gallon pot and then curved them back up which was both a good and bad idea. It was a good idea because it worked. It's super cool and super creepy that it worked. It was a bad idea because it made the plant stronger. Now, in some ways, it's like <laughs> even more out of control. And that thought didn't really cross my mind at the time. I was like, oh, this sounds cool. I want to try this. And so I tried it, and it absolutely worked because plants are crazy and want to live. Um, the good news is we have a bunch of cherry tomatoes, which is really pretty exciting. Uh, it's the first time... Even when I had the Bushwick Garden, and we, that was a regular tomato plant, like a big tomato. We had a few big tomatoes. But it's going to be exciting. This week will be the first week we'll totally have been able to have cut a grocery item for a recipe with using the garden, which is cool to say about an urban garden because it's a pretty hard thing to do. But one of the recipes we're doing this week calls for like a half pound of cherry tomatoes and going to be totally able to just pull that from our garden so i'm pretty pretty proud about that pretty proud tomato papa they're really yummy too i also hate a little bit that you said tomato papa right there yeah um but i was already saying how yummy they were <laughs> so i just kind of like rolled with it yeah. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> yeah, no, I like we were saying last episode, I mean, I don't really like tomatoes except the ones from the farmer's market. And these are exactly the same as the ones from the farmer's market. They just have like a really intense flavor of tomato and just tastes so fresh. And that's really nice. Yeah, it's so. great. Uh, basil is doing well. We've harvested the basil, too. Yeah, we have. We've used it. Um, that just tasted like normal basil. Most basil just kind of tastes like basil. Yeah, it's just cool that that works. And then I got to harvest it again. I harvested it an incorrect way the first time I did it. I was just kind of so happy that it was working that I just plucked the leaves. It's not the way to do it. And it made the bottom part of it kind of barky. But leaves are growing again. So the way to do it is to pluck down and then like prune as you go. Which, while I'm talking about pruning, you got to prune tomato plants, too. Well, yeah, I mean, honestly, harvesting a an herb to cook with it is pruning to the plant. Like, right. the plant doesn't know the difference. So the well, way <laughs> the way you harvest your herbs to eat them tells the plant which direction to grow in. So that's, like, something to think about. The same with pruning. Um, yeah. We can't get into a discussion of pruning right now. I'm not that good at it because very few of my plants require it. But actually, I did prune the tomato plant while you were gone, and it was kind of like a nice experience. I liked it. Yeah, it feels good. It's like a little, uh, I don't know, relaxing to be able to work at it. But the basil, yeah, so the way picking basil works, you gotta pick the leaves going down, and then like take bits of stem with you too, and then leave a little bit of stem above the last leaves that you leave. So pick down as far as you want or as far as you need, and leave some leaves and stem for it to start growing back up. So there's basil. If I haven't grown basil out there. And the carrots have survived and thrived. There's like a... I think I had to replant them after the bird fiasco. Don't recall. But they're alive. And that's been a cool experience too. I have no idea what I'm doing with carrots. Like zero experience. It seems based on the YouTube video that carrots take a long time. Yeah. Whereas the tomato has yielded at least a couple of tomatoes every week or so. Like, carrots were in for the long haul. Yeah. You're going to pick those, like, November. Though, I will say, like, we were watching this YouTube video, and the answer to when are your carrots ready is basically, like, when you reach down into the ground and, like, feel a whole carrot. Yeah. Um... And you can already kind of, like, start doing that. You can feel, like, the little top nub. And they're kind of the size of, like, baby carrots right mm-hmm. now. But I think that's pretty cool that you can kind of, like, a little bit see the top nub of it. And it's, like, a real carrot. Yeah, it's cool. Maybe I didn't get a picture of them yet. But maybe for the show notes, I could, like, zoom in on that, cool. folks. Um, yeah, it is cool. It's, that's pretty exciting, too. I didn't actually have a lot of confidence that carrots would work. I, we watched some YouTube videos and I read some blogs. That you could grow carrots in pots, but it seemed a little foolish, but now it's happening. Um, that's cool. And the other thing that's going to take a while that we just started is garlic. And we started it outside with the intention of moving it inside because, as we talked about in the CSA episode, we got the fresh garlic, and it's, it's like infinitely better than store-bought garlic. True. So we're going to try growing that. Which is also, I think they say two to three months before you get mature garlic bulbs. If you like garlic scapes, which we do now because we got some from the farmers or market or the CSA rather, um, those are faster. But we have to Google whether you can harvest the scapes and the garlic will still grow because I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. But I'd like both if we can have them. (laughs) Yeah, it would be cool. I will say that uh, though I was skeptical of this endeavor and it really wasn't my endeavor, I've been really impressed by 
the way growing stuff outside affects its growth. Like like we said, I killed a lot of herbs indoors for various reasons, was drowning the shit out of them. <laughs> that was like my first plant thing and it didn't go well. But like the basil just popped right up and is doing really well. And I think it's because it's light conditions are correct. Yeah. <laughs> and really like the light conditions outside versus inside are so different, which we like know conceptually, but <laughs> like to just watch it is so crazy to like have a plant that was almost impossible to grow indoors, just like do its thing like that um, is so cool. And I think that if we do move that stuff inside, it'll definitely be under a grow light because it would just be like impossible to get it to have that level of growth indoors by itself. Yeah. That's a tricky thing is which we'll have to maybe even address in a later episode, but we have to address actually in person. Um, what we're going to do, the cleanup of it, whether we're moving stuff besides the garlic indoors, the garlic we plan of the intention of moving indoors, but do we just let the carrots ride out throughout the winter till we get carrots? Do we move in the tomato? full carrots I and mean, maybe we have like little baby guys but that'll be a conversation for later maybe we'll add it to an updates episode of the podcast let people know what the winter fate of the fire escape garden is i think that one of the reasons i was excited about the bags at least besides the fact that they're so light is that they're pretty reusable and storable as well you know like they just fold up and we can fit them in the gardening basket that we already have if we decide to retire them until next summer so it's a lot easier than having like five gallon buckets or something that we would probably just get rid of at the end of the summer yeah i highly recommend the bags they've been really nice too in part because they're so easy to move like as the tomato has been really just dominating the, the space i've had to shift some of the other stuff around or as I tried doing this tomato rerouting project had to move stuff around and with like pots you know you have to like get under the rim with your fingertips and like drag it and do the thing these bags just have a little tote bag style handles and they're so easy and the material is so much lighter weight that even with five gallons worth of soil they feel so much lighter weight yeah which is good in general but I feel like especially good for the fire escape situation. Uh, not because I'm afraid it's going to come on a hinge and fall, but because it's like a narrow space to maneuver. So in terms of like having like good, safe lifting form to move like heavy stuff, it's easy just like tote bag style this stuff and move it and shift it <clears throat> however you need. So I recommend the bags. Yeah, I'll link everything that we used in the show notes, but definitely the bags, because I think that was, in some ways, one of the most successful parts of the project. Yeah, I think so, too, actually. Um, besides simple. That's true. This has been a fairly successful project overall, honestly. Yeah. Thanks. Good work. <laughs> Do we have any other tips and tricks besides simple? I don't, personally. I haven't really been out there. Yeah, I don't really either. I will say, what will I say? Don't be afraid to move stuff, which I think makes sense, but it might not. I don't know. I feel like some people will just set stuff down and leave it be. Like, I move stuff. So we, we, I mean, in our apartment, we've talked about our light situation. Our fire escape obviously gets much better light, but as the seasons have changed, I shift the bags around a good amount to, like, kind of follow the light throughout the day. Um, so don't be afraid to do that. You know, I would say it would be easy to feel like 
because something has been so successful in one spot, if you move it, it might not be in another spot. But I don't necessarily think that's true. And I think one of the fun parts about doing a fire escape garden or a terrace garden or any garden where things aren't rooted down into the soil is that you can move stuff around. And I've done it partially. Well, I did it for aesthetic, but then all my flowers got eaten by birds. Um, <laughs> so you can... You we'll know. cover the flowers in tinfoil next year. Yeah. Yeah. You have some fun with that. I mean, honestly, that was one of the pretentious sections of all those terrace garden books is people talking about how they constantly rearrange their spaces mm-hmm. and like you know it's kind of like its own little i mean it isn't kind of it is a whole design like garden design is the thing and having a terrace garden allows you to shop your own garden boom whoa yeah whoa hashtag dynasty core corner <laughs> um so yeah you can shop your own garden move stuff around play with it i don't have a ton of color going on besides like the red of the tomatoes and the carrot tops are very green which is kind of exciting true. um yeah i guess that'd be a little a little tip move stuff around kind of follow the light follow your design aesthetic because as seasons change light shifts so like a spot that was sunny in the spring might not be as sunny in the summer etc like the way that the earth rotates relative to the sun changes do your own research <laughs> We are not scientists. I didn't make up that science, so that's real science. <laughs> Just like more research is required. <laughs> that's not it. <laughs> uh, I will say another interesting observation, kind of fond of the tips and tricks, is that it's made me, I don't know about appreciate the area more, but sitting on a fire escape and doing work out on a fire escape. Gives you an interesting view of, like, your neighborhood, you know, Uh, especially, like, our fire escape looks over all the back alleys, which are where, like, all the supers do their work, so sometimes, especially if it's a day I'm working from home, sometimes I'll go out in the fire escape and work after I uh, do the garden. I'll bring a notebook with me if I'm doing some writing or some drafting, Uh, and just seeing, really, just all the supers, kind of all the the background characters of the New York real estate world, if you will, operate and do their thing has been a pretty interesting perspective. So that's been cool, I think. Yeah, that's that. Try it out. Grow a garden. Do the thing. Thanks for listening to this episode of Apartment 26. For more info on the stuff we talk about on this episode, check out the show notes linked below. And follow us on Instagram at apt26podcast. See you next time.